welcome to our very first uh, Labelling the Disabling podcast, sponsored by the Disability Trust. And today I'll be speaking with Ed Burt, who is the Chief Operating Officer for the Disability Trust. Welcome, Ed. Hey, thanks, Carol. Great to be here. Thanks for coming and joining us. Now, one of the reasons why this podcast is called Labelling the Disabling, which might sound like a strange or far out name for some people out there is because you recently wrote an article called Labelling the Disabling. Mm. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about why you called it that and what that article was about? Yeah, I was just uh, reflecting on the fact that in society, we, we when it comes to disability, usually we label the, you know, the thing that is accessible or, um, you know, like a disability parking spot yep. or a uh, an accessible toilet or things things of that nature and I thought yes. well why why you know shouldn't the expectation be that things are accessible yep. that, that you can get the information you need that you can get from A to B you can get on the bus or you can get on the train and if it's not accessible yep. then it should be labeled so you know the label okay, should yep. be applied when it's not accessible when it's when it's by nature disabling to people who may have a a visual impairment or a physical impairment or, a, you know, an auditory impairment uh, that means that they can't access that that facility or that piece of information or that place or, you know, um, instead yep. of... Because I think the thing that's really annoying for people uh, with disability a lot of the time is that they, you know, they have to go out of their way, make some plans to get from A to B and then arrive at the restaurant or you know, wherever, only to find they can't get in the front bloody door. And if, if they wouldn't have minded so much if it had just been clearly um, articulated yep. that this yep. this restaurant is not accessible. Yep. So, um, you know, thanks for letting me know. I won't be going there because I use a wheelchair or whatever it is. And so I just think if we turn it around yep. and label those things that are disabling to yep. people, um, we'd, we'd be a lot more accessible as a society. So that's, that was sort of the, the thinking behind that. That phrase. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So what you're doing there is you're switching things over. Yeah. Um, and you would know Stella Young. She used to be oh, um, Stella, yeah. Yep, yeah. a fabulous disability rights yeah. advocate as well as a mm. journalist and a mm. comedian. And she talked about... Very funny lady. She, yeah. She yeah. called herself disabled. Um, yeah. And because what she was saying with that was that the, that's the social model of disability where it's not the person that has disability, it's the society that's disabling them and mm. therefore they are disabled. Is that sort of mm. what you're coming at? So that's so Social model of disability. Absolutely, I see. I see it every day. You know, like I think of um, so much of our, so much of the structures of society is based on um, keeping people out. You know, yep. uh, think of things like you know, you might have a home loan or a mortgage. Yep. Uh, you know, a lot of the information in that document is you know hundreds and hundreds of pages yes. or whatever, and it's yep. completely jargonistic to you, and you wouldn't have <laughs> the foggiest what it's about. Yep. I mean, you understand. You know that it gets in you a house. Terms, yeah. You've got the kind of the gist of it, but imagine if that was all you know written in plain English, um, you know, and and simplified for you. You probably wouldn't need to. Uh, you, you'd probably have a whole lot more people uh, with home loans owning owning their own place, or you know, there's a lot of people who just feel sort of shut out from those sort of things, yes. uh, those sort of opportunities in 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 our society because. Uh, we don't present information in accessible ways or, um, as I say, a lot of people with physical impairments is a good one uh, where they, 
you know, they just don't feel uh, confident to go out into the community because they have such a bad experience on so many occasions, yep. you know, yep. that they, they end up going, oh, you know what, I think I'll just stay home. It's really too difficult. So if we were a little bit more um, helpful uh, and, and really just started labelling those things that they're really going to have a problem with, uh, getting getting into or onto or around or yep. um, and I've seen some great things happening here in Wollongong uh, with that that project around uh, gradients and things for the mapping of, of Wollongong and the inner city. So okay. you can you can not only see um, I can't remember the name of the project that's terrible, um, but you can start. That's not the one about the bike riding. It's not the bike riding. It's where people are actually strapping uh, little um, devices onto their wheelchairs and they're getting uh, not just the, oh, okay, the, the yeah. easiest way to get from A to B, but it gives you the gradient. So there's different coloured lines on the map that show you, well, if it's if it's red, you know, yes. it's going to be quite a steep uh, incline. And, you, you know, if you're not in a powered wheelchair, then you're going to need to use a bit of muscle power to get okay, up the hill. Yep. Uh, so you might actually want to go the longer route to go around, which is actually a nice flat. Uh, so that, that, that information is really useful for people. It is. And uh, you can see people, designers, um, starting to think about accessibility. And, uh, you know, most of the um, things we've got in our pockets, you know, the wonderful iPhones and smartphones and all, all of those things with those intuitive designs yes. are really great for, you know, for, you know, a lot of the, the uh, uh, inspiration, I think, behind those things comes from uh, people with impairments around, um, you know, uh, what we find is typically if it's, if it's accessible for somebody with, say, a cognitive impairment, uh, an intellectual disability, then you're going to love it too because yeah. it's, it's um, easy to access, it makes sense, it's intuitive. So those things that are good for uh, people with uh, disability and impairments are actually great for all for all people. Yep. You know, so I can see we're on sort of this, um, what would you call it, a bold new journey towards an accessible, uh, like a Australia. universally accessible, Australia. universally accessible design. Yeah. Yes. So I think. That's so what that stuff. means yeah. for people is that anyone can use it and everyone can use it. Mm. Whereas yeah. before we would put in a, a ramp instead of as well as a staircase, we'll just put the ramp yeah. in. Is that sort of what you're exactly. referring to? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was recently at um in the airport, I think it was in Adelaide, and I was walking up with my bag behind um, uh, being a, sort of a temporarily able-bodied uh, middle-aged guy. Uh, I was walking behind this uh, older lady and she, she was pulling her bag and uh, these fantastic ramps that, were, you know, everybody could could navigate them. It was beautiful, open uh, design. The airport's brilliantly designed. The vehicle's not so much. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure they'll get to those at some stage. This is a bit of a plug for Boeing and Airbus to get their act together because those, those vehicles are just ridiculous and uh, they seem to have the market sewn up and I'm sure with a bit of, a bit of um, you know, thinking – wouldn't take too much to have some uh, uh, accessible designs, so people with uh, who use wheelchairs don't have to be go through this undignified yes. process of getting on and off planes and having to you know leave there. As I think it was Kurt Fernley said, yes. you know, he had to leave his legs at the check-in counter uh, because he had to you know get into some. The, the suggestion was he get into this ridiculous, uh, yes. uh, you know chair that they could put down the aisle because the design of the vehicles are so bad so it's not so much the airlines themselves who try very hard but you can understand because of the poor design of those planes 
which are disabling. The planes yes, are disabling. They are, yeah. So, um, you know, it's exhausting for people. I travelled with a friend to Hobart and uh, we had to change in Melbourne and she has uh, spinal muscular atrophy and uh, it's, you know, has a specially designed chair. Um, she was absolutely, uh, for want of a better term, rooted by the time she got to yep. Hobart because she was, had, you know, really tough, really tough. Had to be sort of physically handled in into and out of those seats. Um, she was going to present at a conference and, um, you know, she just, just shouldn't have to go through that no. in 2019 or, you know, that's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> this Absolutely. is multi-billion dollar yeah. industries uh, yeah. that are, you know, and they're buying, you know, you know, there's some, those terrible disasters just recently happened. They're talking about these Boeing A3 whatevers and, uh, well, for goodness sake, get onto it. You know, really, yep. it's just not good enough. absolutely well well it's it is true um if you you know something that our listeners could go out and do is really assess their environment and think about is it accessible when they go into a shop how wide are the aisles when they go into a shop is there a step into that shop um when they're just walking down their street locally think about how other people would um access those services or those shops or a plane or a train um businesses are missing out they you know, are. Like, like you are missing out on a huge chunk of the market if yep. you don't think, okay, you know, am I, uh, does this person have some sort of communication impairment that, that um, you know, does he or she have autism and, and needs me to, am I over, you know, because sometimes I'm a bit overwhelming to people the way I communicate. So, yep. I, and, and I'll look at the person, and I'll think, okay, you know, steady down, take it down <laughs> a notch, you know, because yep. sometimes, the person you're interacting with needs a bit more time yes. to process the information, um, you know. But the, it doesn't just because I think another good misunderstanding is people hear intellectual disability and they think people aren't intelligent. Yes. Uh, whereas in fact, some of the most profound thinkers I've ever met are people with intellectual disability. Yes. So they actually, but what they often need is more time to process mm-hmm. the information. Uh, they might need it presented you know, in a different format or in a different way. But they are often the people who will cut through it and, and get you the answers that you need because they'll they'll deeply often process um, questions or ideas and maybe not, you know, you might have long forgotten about it yep. and then you find, uh, you know, they tap you on the shoulder two weeks later and they go, hey, Ed, you know. You know, you know and and we could really I, take a I'll lesson like, oh. from that, yeah. <laughs> so there's some – so I think just, again, it's different different – perceptions, different approaches that I think if we're not thinking uh, about accessibility, then our whole community misses out. And that, yes. that's what happens when, when we don't, uh, when we think of, uh, you know, I think what we're doing, the mistake people are often making is that disability is uh, a deficit, you know, is, yep. a, is whereas actually it's just a thing that you you know, you, it's just a difference it's just like part anything of you. else. Yep. <laughs> so like the colour of your skin yep. or your gender or your, uh, you know, you, you know. I know you, for, for example, you, with your visual impairment, it's, that's, you know, you have a visual impairment. It's, uh, and I'm not interviewing you. No, but, no, it's all right. It's <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's not, it's, it's just, it is uh, part of who you are. Um, but it's not the whole of who no, I am. So, yeah, just, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's important and it helps it flavours, you know, the way that you perceive the world and all of those things. But, you know, it's not something to – it's just it just is, really. It doesn't need to be 
patronised or doesn't need to be, um, you know, it needs to be taken into account but not, um, do you know? Yep, <laughs> I yep. think sometimes there's a, I read a really good uh, uh, article um by a lady, I think I was talking to you about it, about, you know, just say hello, just yes. just yep. engage yep. with people, treat people normally, treat people as people. Yes. Um, and that's such a good message. Absolutely. <laughs> I think sometimes we're, we're uh, seeing um, the disability far too much and, and um, people generally just want to, you know, be, be included, be part of the conversation or, or the yeah. party or the, you know... Uh, the, and yeah. I think we are moving yeah. um, really a long way into into reaching that mm. because um, I'll just tell a little funny story. Before I came here today, I put lipstick on and when I got to my husband's car, he said, have you put eyeliner on as lip liner? And Because it was black <laughs> with the red. And, and he, I said, oh, maybe. And then I said to him, do you know what? Nobody would even care. If I mm. walked into a shop and presented that way, mm. um, they'd just think, oh, she might be some sort of goth person, you know, whereas when I was 15 and did that, 30 years ago, the whole world was in outrage. Um, we are <laughs> far less likely to judge people on their appearance today, what they're wearing, the tattoos, their hair mm. colour, their piercings, which I think is fabulous and fantastic mm. that we most of society is overlooking what mm. people look like. Mm. Um, but we're still not there with disability. So mm. when I don't look at people properly or when I look at prices too closely in a shop, that mm. still isn't overlooked. Mm. Um Yep. So it, it is good that you raise that because we do tend to put people with disability in boxes or in one particular box yep. um, and make judgments like that, whereas we've moved a lot further in some other ways yep. um, but not in the ways you've talked about. Yeah. Now, I, sorry, sorry go just on. on that, I was just going to say, you know, there's from a – I think you do see ideology sort of come and go, you know, around um, – and I, and I think the, the – the only thing you have to remember, really, is to check in with people. Yep. You know, uh, let them be your guide to, yes. uh, you know, because I think I hear people say, oh, you know, because at the Disability Trust we support people in shared living, for example. So we've got adults living together in, in uh, what were traditionally called group homes and uh, things of that nature. And uh, there's certainly been, you know, some terrible examples of group homes. Yep. Uh, you know, we can all... Um, you know, see that in in, in Australia's history, and uh, I'm sure today there's there's uh, plenty of shared Still, living arrangements yeah. where people aren't very happy uh, where they are. But to then say, oh well, you know, group homes are bad is uh, not particularly helpful because there's also you know lots of people who really benefit and and enjoy the social aspect, and uh, indeed many of us, myself included, have lived uh, in shared arrangements yep. with other adults and. Um, you know, I think the thing is, if uh, we just need to sometimes step back from from ideology and think, okay, well, what what is this person telling me? Um, are, is he or she happy? Do, does she seem to be, uh, you know, uh, thriving in this environment? Um, are there things that suggest, you know, we could be doing better? Um, so I just think, yeah, because sometimes you can have. Uh, for, I use this term sometimes. You can have an institution of one. You know, you can have uh, somebody who's um, you know, living by themselves in the community and, and really they're not doing well. You yes. Know, they're, they're, they're actually in a terrible situation um, and they're quite but, – but, you know, we could look at it, oh, well, she's, uh, 
you know, got her own place yeah. and she's in the community and it's like, but you know, but is she really miserable? Yeah, you know, she's not in, she's not part, of, you know, not connected, not part of anything, no mates, you know, no uh, love life, no uh, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, Most of us so want think, that. Yeah, we, I think we're all human, right? Yeah. So, so that's those are the markers we're looking for, I think. So, mm. yeah, yeah. So you mentioned their um, group homes. I'll just bring you back to your role. So you're mm. the Chief Operating Officer at I the am. Disability yeah. Trust um, and you've been there for a little while. Can you tell us how you came to be working at the Disability Trust? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've worked in the disability area for, uh, since the early 90s, I think. And um, I did, um, when I was uh, a young person, uh, I did a psychology degree and I was um, working in various jobs. So I sort of, you know, jumped around from working in a store, storeman's role, so, you know, unloading trucks and yep. worked in, uh, I was packing meat at one stage. It's so that was that job. while you were at uni? Because <laughs> you're a uh, vegan, aren't you? So that yeah. would have been difficult. Well, that's Maybe right. that's why you are that's a vegan. Cer- <laughs> certainly one of my influences, I, <laughs> yeah. can, I can put it that way. But, yep. but having said that, most meat packers are not vegans, I, no. can, I can assure you. Uh, but... Um, so that why was while you were at university studying While I was psychology. at university, when I left, I sort of didn't I didn't feel a great alignment with the psychology field. Uh, I have to say, so I sort of I did some other work and travelled a bit. And when I was back in Sydney, I saw this job uh, with the Autism Autism Association of New South Wales, as it, as it was, and uh, it was for a somebody to help in a supported employment setting. So. Okay. Working with people with disability is over in Croydon, and I sort of thought, oh, sounds quite good actually. I wouldn't mind you know, having a look. And, um, went down and met them, and um, you know, it was in a little, uh, basically a house in the suburbs where they were doing some um, uh, piecework of, of packing things into bags, and, and they'd, they'd had some various contracts and things, and uh, had some quite high support needs people there. And uh, and, and can I just ask you about yeah. that, Ed? Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but. What year would that have been? Because we now oh. all have the word autism or Asperger's or yeah. autism spectrum disorder or mm-hmm. on the autism spectrum as part mm-hmm. of our daily vocab um, and our daily yeah. rhetoric. But what? So that was about ninety-three or ninety-four, and so I that think was quite new. Do you quite, think? Well, I think like when I first worked in the sector. People, all the people that I met anyway who had autism also had like a quite a severe intellectual disability mm-hmm. and were quite, um, you know, like I wasn't that familiar with the term. Whereas I think now there's far more of that sort of spectrum approach to yeah. autism uh, spectrum disorders and you have people very, you know, on the very high functioning end. I mean, I think Asperger's was, um, uh, di- you know, discovered if you like in the 1940s. Yes. So it's not it's not as though it was new, but I don't think it's uh, been widely applied. Um, no. That sort of high functioning autism spectrum, where you've got you know um, some uh, issues around social uh, social um, interaction and communication uh, I- impairments, and often you know obsessive interests. Yep. You know, um, so I guess we had that really famous movie Rain Man with Dustin yeah. Hoffman, which sort of which brought it. <laughs> That yeah. would have been in the late 80s, oh, I think, 88, actually, 89. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. today we go to a psychologist to see, um, yeah. to have our child diagnosed mm. with mm. Um, autism spectrum mm. um, disorder or being on the autism spectrum. Yeah. So did you study that at university or...? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, okay. it's it, interestingly enough that um, autism is in the... Uh, I think it's still in the 
DSM-5, yep. you know, the <laughs> Diagnostical and Statistical Manual of, uh, what is it, Mental Disorders or something. The one that used a, to have um, which what is, they termed homosexuality in it, which has right. finally been removed. It's always God, struck yeah. me as a bit odd that <laughs> that's where you find it. But anyway, yeah. um, and uh, but but as I say, it was historically far more associated, I think, with like quite a, um, you know... in. Idiot savant, I think they yeah, called it, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's quite associated with intellectual disability, whereas yes, I don't think yes. that's the case these it days. It isn't, yes. Um, so, but yeah, anyway, I sort of found that I had, or my managers as well found that I had quite a good way of working with people. Um, and I'd, I noticed being in Croydon, I can't remember which train line it's on, but a lot of the guys at the employment workplace had never, they never went into the city. And I sort of thought, well, why don't we, you know, have a day out, go down to Circular yep. Quay, get down to Macca's and wander around the harbour. And um, so, and I, and what I started doing was with people with uh, so-called challenging behaviour, um, as it was called, which is where they, they engage in behaviours that are perhaps um, destructive or aggressive or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, less than, <laughs> uh, yep. you know, constructive. Favourable in the community. Yep. Yep. So, and what you often find with people with challenging behaviours is that they are quite restricted. Um, they'll be, you know, they're not, don't often go out very much or don't yes. because, because they're often quite, um, you know, quite hard work to manage in that yep. sort of situation. Absolutely. So, First for their parents and Absolutely. then for carers and yeah. then for the people around them. For the people and around them can be everybody, quite, yes. quite disruptive. So, yeah. but I think... The thing that again we're missing out on there is is well the learning for the person, um, the learning for the broader community, and um, yeah those sort of things where you and what I found was was going out with people often those you could take the edge off those behaviours as yep. well because people were number one they're getting some exercise they're going out they're breathing the fresh air. They're, they're, they're doing engaged. interesting things. Yep. They're you know on the train and they yep. might be going up and down the the stairs on the train and going round and round and checking it all out. But um, you know, uh, particularly some of the people I worked with who had autism had this sort of quite. They they love all the angles and the you know the design on the, the train, the colours. Yep. You know, so so a lot of uh, to a lot of people that can be quite confronting. Um, I, I found all I, all I really needed to do was let the other passengers know, you know, I'd say, oh, excuse me, madam, this is Lexi. She just wants to sort of check out the, the pattern on your seat. She won't, yep. I'm, I'm, I'm supporting Lexi today and we'll, you know, so that sort of thing would... And if you just have that conversation. Yeah, Yeah, and I felt that was my job. I was being paid to be there. I was a support worker. That was in my title. I found that very helpful (laughs) (laughs) to know that was what I was there for. So I didn't feel in any way it was, um, you know, sort of empowering sometimes to have a paid position to to provide support because you're like, well, you know, and I was well aware of the disability services standards and things that said it was all around Lexi's individual needs and her rights around decision making and choice and um, so and then you have it when you go out into the community what happens is suddenly you're buying tickets you're you know, purchasing your coca-cola at the shops or you're you know and so there's there's multiple opportunities for interaction with other people for for skill development around, yep. um, you know, look out for that bus. You've got to got to see that bus. Oh, is it number sixty four? Well, no, that's not the one you want. Okay, flag it on. You know, all of those things yep. that suddenly um, there's so much engagement. Whereas uh, a lot of the time, 
the people with higher support needs are very passive. They're, they're being, you know, shuttled here and there and, yes. you know, decisions are made and the, the butter's put on the toast and, the you know... like There's no oh, independence, there's no choice. Yeah, and, and I think we've the great challenge for us in the disability sector is to... It's called active support, person-centred active support, where um, regardless of how uh, functionally impaired you are, you have we're we're tasked to bring you into that um, engagement with uh, might be you know uh, peeling the potatoes, you know cooking is always a good thing because you um, there's so much goes on with preparing a meal, but um, you might have significant uh, motor. Difficulties, so you you know to actually use a peeler is not possible for you. Um, however, to have the feeling of a of a grubby potato in your hand and the water flowing over your hands and somebody holding that peeler yep. and scraping it across the surface of the potato, the sensory experience of that, you know, even though you're being quite supported in a very uh, very you know, but it's making all of those neuro it's, connections it's that we talk so about. So good and, for you. Yeah. You know, it's so good for you. So I think I think that's the nature of that's why the work's exciting. You know, yeah. like it's actually you know, and I and I meeting these people, I was like, wow, this is actually really important work. And you just approach people at the level um, they they're ready to go <laughs> to go yeah. at. If that makes sense, you know, it's not about you; it's about them, them. and where they want to where they want to go with life. So I've I've just sort of fell into the disability work that way and I found it really counterculture, quite subversive because um, what I find in, in our community is that we're always told from the day we start school all the things we can't do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> eyes to the front of the – Ed, yeah. what are you looking out the window? Ed, back, you know, uh, all the things oh, – no, don't use that. You've got to use that pen, you know, like all, all those things from the word go which quite kind of – fit us into our little boxes and off we go. And then and then you had those people over there in that special unit you could see outside the window. They were the people with disability. You might, maybe you were lucky you were at a school where they were in the, you know. In the playground. Oh, and, uh, but a lot of people, you know, certainly when I was going to school in the 70s and 80s, they, they had very limited contact with people with disability, certainly people with high, high disability. And, and I really missed out. I missed out on that. Uh, terribly yep. they missed out certainly but I certainly bloody missed out yep. and that's what we're doing with that sort of um, segregation you don't get the opportunity to to sort of you know to do things differently to think about how people might be approaching the world differently and um, so I guess I just moved into I had a number of different jobs um, went back and did you know a master's in health science and okay. in developmental disabilities uh, which I really enjoyed uh, through the University of Sydney um, and uh, actually worked for a little while in a practice quality while role that was flying around Australia doing you know dropping in with another provider um, so I was writing policy and training programs and then um, moved to the Illawarra and uh, saw an executive role come up with an organisation who I, I was uh, very impressed with. Um, I, th- I could see through my interactions with the staff um, that I, I felt it had a great alignment with my, my values yep. and, and um, you know, so I went for the role. I was very pleased to get it and that was about four years ago. Okay. So, um, but so speaking of your uh, values, when mm. we um, – you talk there about going to school in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. What, what was your um, – you, you talked about your experience being that you weren't um, – part of a community which was engaging kids with disability, I guess, at that stage. Mm. What was your childhood like? What What do you think has influenced you from your childhood? What 
I know previously yeah. you've told me both of your parents were born in India, but they didn't yep. know each other and they're not Indian. No. Um, so can you tell us a little yeah. bit about your, your childhood? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've often wondered. I mean, um, I think my mother is, she was uh, a nurse and uh, a child health nurse. And I think um, through her, I sort of had a lot of exposure to, um, you know, she was always at the clinics on the Central Coast where they'd have the uh, the early the early mums and bubs would be coming in, um, getting their you know physical checkups and all that sort of thing. See how people are travelling, and I mean that's the that's the guts of community yes, yeah. right there, isn't it? So do you, you think know, she's like, very matter of fact? So, she's so you weren't scared of, of things because she she she's obviously so didn't have a catastrophic nature being uh, a nurse. It was like in fact quite let's get opposite. in and deal with <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. She's a bit like oh no, you'll be right. That's you know that's yeah. your leg would be falling off, and she'd be like no, yeah, I think that looks like a mere flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but so do you so, think that's had some impact on your nature as well? Because yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. I think, yeah. and and she's very non-judgmental person, as is my father. Yeah, um, but he worked in the sort of the the property um, management area in Sydney, so he was you know whisking up the road to Sydney and back. I mean, I don't know how poor. I feel sorry for all of you out there commute <laughs> if there's people commuting right now. Oh my it's gosh, a difficult it's a life, isn't thing. it? Yeah. Uh, but but um, then th- that was in the days before podcasts. What did people do? I know, but now they can be fully <laughs> yeah, entertained yeah, on the train right, from Sydney right. to Wollongong with a movie right. or, a or a podcast or a, um, yeah. a Netflix but, 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 um, yeah. show. <laughs> and, I, and I had three brothers, um, yeah. all of whom I love very dearly. We're all great mates. Um, you know, I've got an older brother who lives in Tassie and. Uh, two two younger brothers, twin brothers. Uh, who, so um, and you know we weren't particularly great mates growing up. You know we were brothers and That's um, normal, hated yeah. each other's guts <laughs> yeah. most of the time. But um, but I still think uh, yeah there was something obviously something there that because we're all really passionate about um, uh, people and uh, uh, you know my my older brothers actually started working in the disability space as well. Like he, okay. and he's loving it. He's down in Tassie. And uh, he's like, oh, you know, he wants to start, you know, he's got all sorts of ideas. Ideas, yeah, yeah. He's an ideas man. So <laughs> do you, do you yeah. guys, did you have a lived experience of disability in your family? Did you know people with disability? Did you grow up? No, no, no? not really. No, I, I think, as I say, I think I did miss out on, um, I mean, other than the usual, uh, you know, health-related, ageing-related um, uh, impairments, uh, but I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, like, people having strokes and developing uh, disabilities through that sort of way. Like both my, uh, two of my grandparents had strokes and developed quite significant disabilities that way. But How old were you when that happened? Oh, that would have been, I was, I was in my twenties at that stage. Okay, so, so not young. No, I wasn't young. And I thought, yeah, so, and I do remember my high school had a, had a disability support unit um, but it was sort of a ta- as I say, I just had this have this recollection of people going backwards and forwards to the classroom, sort of often during class time. So I don't know what was what okay, was going yep. on there. And but, they had very uh, um, significant was, names, didn't they? Like yeah. they were labelled. They were speaking of labelling the they disabling. Were. They were. They had labels attached yeah. to those yeah. Um, yeah. programs. Yeah. yeah, and certainly, you know, I think probably um, you had your different levels of. You know, like I was in sort of the, I remember what did they call it? Very discriminatory uh, veggie maths. They called it. Okay. I was in, I was in veggie maths. Yeah, you know, and uh, yep. that's what all the kids called it, which is terrible. That's um, okay. Some of the best people were in that. Uh, like well, myself. yeah, oh, high yeah. five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, uh, you know, actually, that's an interesting one because 
uh, I learned a lot from my uh, teacher in maths because um, he was I was doing you know two unit maths it was called at the time and I found it really really difficult I just couldn't get my head around you know the, all the equations and whatever yeah. I was get absolutely bombing out feeling really bad about myself because um, I I do you know I think all humans want to achieve at yes, the end of the day absolutely There's nothing worse than being the the you know, like, I, I don't know what it is, what we've got to do to help one another. Because when we've got, I see it, I coach uh, kids soccer at the moment and they do all, the adults do this thing where they, you know, they pull out, oh, you know, she's really good or he's yeah, really good. Yeah. And they, they go, oh, let's put them in that team over there with all the good kids. Yeah. And, and then we'll have all the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, good on your kids, have a good game. You go, well, well it. It'd be a much better game, typically, particularly for children I'm talking about. I'm not talking about professional athletes. <laughs> I'm talking about bringing people together yeah, and having boys, girls, uh, different levels of ability and skills because, and, not, and, and, and being a bit more strengths-focused because what you find as teams evolve, teams of people evolve, is that people do bring different strengths. It's not just about, um, you know, the best kick or the best, you know. So I just think... Again, there's got to be a way, and I'm, obviously there's a place for elite athletes and there's an, a place for, you know, but, but sometimes I think we're too quick to separate people based on their ability. Absolutely. And I think that, that's just not helpful. So I went from, you know, getting 20% in my two-unit mass, went into so-called veggie mass, uh, was getting over 90%. I got it and actually got it, felt much better about myself as a person. Um, and, uh, you know, and I was grateful to that maths teacher who had sort of recommended that and, um, and uh, supported you. Supported me to do that. It's like, you know, why, why, why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> so yeah. that's so true because yeah. we, we then isolate people, like you were speaking about people that um, the – institution of one mm. or people being isolated or people not being included in the schools that you were going to and that's sort of been your purpose I guess yeah. in terms of bringing those kids um, or those adults I guess with disability mm. down to circular key involving yeah. them in public transport in buying their own food in the yeah. buying their tickets mm. um, that whole message of inclusion um, which yeah. I know is the um, mission statement of is, the yeah. of the disability trust which yeah. is creating an inclusive mm. uh, world mm. and so that's basically what you're doing with that there is that, mm. is that would that be correct yeah. i think you know that's the mission for the disability trust and it's the mission it's really is for all of us yep. i think you know if if we don't have a healthy inclusive society uh, then we all miss out. You know, yeah. we see it in the news every day of people, you know, going off into their little echo chambers of, of this, that or the other. And, um, you know, I'm really interested why people are doing that because I don't think, <laughs> you know, that it's, it's setting us... I, I think the flip side to belonging and inclusion is exclusion. Yeah. So, you know, like you're part of this club, that means that person's not part of your club. Yes. So, and I can, I can appreciate sometimes there's a nice uh, feeling that goes along with that of saying, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the red team or the blue team and, and uh, you know, there's the blue team over there, the opposite team. And yes. They're all belonging over there. But I, I think sometimes it's a tribalism that, that um, we all miss out at the end of the day and we've got to, we, we're, 
bigger than that as a, as a like Australia is brilliant you know yes. we've, got, we've got such a um, multicultural society um, a diverse um, society where you know we need to hear the voice of youth and 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 the elders and and you know people with a disability and people without men and women you know yes. I think um, uh, it's Absolutely. really demeaning to all of us when we go okay well you know, and I actually do happen to be a middle-aged white bloke. Suddenly, <laughs> I've realised. Oh my god! But and uh, you know, and again, their view, my views are important too. You know, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, but I think we, I'm really keen to bring in different voices and um, different experiences and and pe- non-verbal people. I hope we can have on this show, Carol, um, the experience of people without voice um, through the podcast medium. You know, we've got to achieve that somehow. That's a fabulous um, idea. And so, absolutely we do. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So um, we know some, I know some brilliant uh, parents and uh, friends, uh, people who can perhaps help with that experience as well as perhaps um, translating uh, stories, the written word or other things from people uh, with no... Uh, verbal voice yep. uh, but we need to hear their voice uh, very strongly i think we're missing out otherwise so absolutely yeah it's a little bit um utopian maybe but <laughs> i don't care I mean, oh I, who I, doesn't I love it who, come on you know which way do we want to go yeah here? absolutely wanna, of course know. we all want to go yeah. to utopia that's right <laughs> absolutely so, yeah. um thank you so much mm. for joining us today ed on our very first podcast of labeling the disabling and sharing your story and your experiences with us um, my biggest takeaway is your passion and commitment um, and real deep-seated values about creating inclusion for everybody um, Thanks, and what that yeah. means. Thank yeah. you so much. Brilliant. Thanks, Ed. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank Bye.